Welcome back to This Week in Baseball. Today we're going to go over uh, some movement around the league. I'm also going to dip into fantasy a little bit. I do want that to be somewhat of the backbone of this podcast. Uh, as we get into the season, it's going to be a mixture of everything. Um, we're only a month away from uh, pitchers and catchers reporting. Machado and Harper are still figuring out where they're going to go, which coast they're going to end up on. Philly and the White Sox look like the two strongest contenders. It looks like Philly is pushing hard for Harper. And it looks like the White Sox are really making some... It's not the most aggressive market this year, and it looks like Machado might have to settle for less years, a little bit less per year than he originally had predicted. His... uh, mental approach to the game I think is burning him a little bit the not hustling last year in the playoffs thing hurt him a little bit he's taken somewhat of a hit I mean I don't feel bad for any of these guys with the money that's getting thrown around but uh, the offers aren't quite what these two guys had hoped and there is one thing the reason why the Machado and Harper issue is being extended is not only the length of contracts and the money Mike Trout's going to be available next year so there's teams, uh, Nolan Arenado as well will be available from Colorado. Um, there are guys on the market next year that some teams may think may fit them a little bit better than Machado and Harper. That's why there's only so few teams in play. Not only is it a money thing, I also think it's a fit thing. And this day and age in baseball, it's very much uh, analytics. So I think there's there's just so much going in to this offseason with these top two guys. And like I've said a million times in the last few podcasts, I'm not going to beat that drum too much this podcast, is uh, the dominoes need to fall after these two find their place and teams will get ready for next year. Um, That leads to the first thing I wanted to talk about. It's another team um, along with the Braves I've been talking about quite a bit because they have the most money of any team in baseball this offseason and probably next offseason if they play their cards right. uh, The Philadelphia Phillies. They released a a writer for the Phillies there in Philadelphia uh, had an article today about the Phillies having a long-term vision of possibly getting Harper this year and still having enough room next year budget-wise to go after Trout. Wow, can you imagine Mike Trout, Bryce Harper in the NL? I mean, they would shred that league. So uh, that's a fun prospect. Who knows? There's so many moving parts. We're still not even sure where Harper and Machado are going to go this year. Uh, But it just tells you where the Phillies' mindset is. This team is ready to make a lot of moves. Um, They've had a real spotty history, uh, and they're probably not, you know, one of the favorite teams in the major leagues. They do have a, you know, a pretty aggressive front office now. And things are changing around Major League Baseball. And these new teams coming up, that have been hurt in the last few years um, are really starting to show their cards that they're ready to play some aggressive uh, baseball and get in the markets uh, for these guys along with the big money teams like the Yankees, Dodgers, and Red Sox. So it's nice to see smaller market. I know Philly's not the smallest market out there. It's a pretty decent-sized market, Um, but they're not the Red Sox, Yankees, Dodgers. So it's nice to see that it's getting expanded a little bit. 
Uh, it helps out with a little bit more parity. I'm not complaining too much about baseball. Really, in the last few years, there's been a lot of teams in play with this new wild card set up in the postseason. So not too many complaints from me. I'm not one of those Yankee hater guys. I think that the Yankees, Dodgers, and Red Sox are great for baseball. The way it's set up, it's not fair, but life is not fair. So that's that's just the way it is. And the way it is set up is uh, these top-tier teams you know, keep a lot of people interested. And even if you hate one of those teams, which is probably quite a bit on those top three teams, the Dodgers, Red Sox, and Yankees have some serious numbers of people that dislike them. But that in itself keeps the game rolling. You love to hate teams. That's part of baseball. That's part of sports in general. And in a weird way, I know it's strange, uh, but it keeps people uh, connected to the game. Even if it's just hatred, there's some, I mean, I have quite a few people. I used to be one of them too, that stay interested in the game just to watch the Yankees lose in the postseason or whatever, you know, you could Red Sox included Dodgers, uh, just to see these top teams maybe get knocked out by one of these, you know, bottom tier teams or smaller market teams. That's probably the best way to put that. Uh, so, uh, it is interesting to see the Phillies playing such a, uh, aggressive role now here in the next, uh, this off season, next off season. I just hope it works out like they hope. Um, they still want Keuchel as well. That's really the main team Keuchel has been dealing with. He also is dealing with the angels. They just signed Cody Allen today, this morning, actually. So he's going to be the closer there in Los Angeles. So the Angels are slowly but surely making some movements. You know, they still got Oshani there. Uh, they've got a very talented young team mixed with a few veterans. Brought in a good closer now. Might get Keuchel. They're still in play there in the West. The West, I know the Astros, you know, the A's are always super aggressive. It's not any. It's no guarantee anybody's going to run away with it. I mean, the Astros. Who knows what's going to happen there? They're definitely the most talented team going in. But baseball is such a long marathon of a season. Anything can happen. Angels are really. They've got some cornerstone players. They're working on the back end of their uh, bullpen. They've got a decent rotation, especially if they can slide somebody like Keuchel in. The Angels might be in play there in the West in the AL. Very interesting division. I still think it's, you know, uh, taking a back seat as far as the Rangers are struggling. The A's are always the A's, you know, scrappy. But, I mean, the A's aren't going to win a World Series anytime soon. So it's an interesting division, but it's not one of the top divisions. It's not the NL Central or the NL East or the AL East. Not at this point, at least. But it's nice to see the Angels still trying to scrap and stay alive there in the West. Uh, the Mariners have really positioned themselves in a very interesting spot there in the West as well, trying to keep up at the Astros. And the Mariners have quietly put some good talent together there in the West, so that will be interesting to see. It's good to see the Angels making some moves. Uh, the Yankees uh, knocked down uh, their bullpen uh, with Ottavino, a great signing. He is just a glue guy there in the bullpen, a ton of talent. He's a veteran that's been around a long time. The Yankees now officially officially have the best bullpen in baseball on paper at this point. January 18th. It's pretty early, guys. But at this point, that bullpen on paper for the Yankees is loaded. To go along with the signings of LeMayhew now, going to play either second. The infield's pretty crowded there in New York for the Mets and the Yankees. Just the whole both teams in that city are absolutely loaded in the infield. There might be some more movement 
I really do believe Andujar there for the Yankees is very much in play for a trade. We'll see how that plays out. There's still time. Like I said, there's a month till they report. But it's a good problem to have. They've got a ton of talent in their infield. They're going to try to figure out how to work it out. Um, it's the Yankees. They're always going to have uh, good depth and movement. Um, they're not far and away like they used to be money-wise with their budget. It's not. They're not light years ahead of anybody. The, the Red Sox blew them out of the water last year. Money spent. Granted, the Red Sox went on to well, the, you know win the World Series, but uh, the Yankees are making some good moves. A good, solid organization that is making good, strong moves. And whether you hate them or like them, they're playing with the budget they have. And trust me when I tell you, I, when I was young. The Yankees with Steinbrenner, when, I mean, I was a little kid up into my teen years, they struggled and they spent a ton of money. You know, the Danny Tartable era. I know I'm going way far back for a lot of guys here. I'm trying to not do that too often, but it's not a guarantee is what I'm trying to get at that just because you've got a lot of money in baseball, there's so many moving parts. There's farm systems, there's youth movements, there's depth, and then in today's game, there's analytics. It's not a guarantee the Yankees can just go out and buy a World Series anymore. So, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to get away from that. I'm trying to tell people to get away from that. You just Baseball, the way it's set up now, it really there really are more teams in play every year that can make something happen. It's like any other sport. Who is the hottest team in September? And, you know, I mean, Tampa Bay won over 90 games last year. Tampa Bay. Nothing but kids on that team. Good pitching. Young kids. They did the little reverse pitching thing where they started with a guy out of the bullpen starting and, like, just wild stuff. Like, I've never even heard of. Just the approach, it was crazy. But it worked. They won 90-something games. Baseball, like any other sport, maybe more so in some ways. NFL really has a problem with this. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a problem, but it's a copycat league. Teams are going to, you know, start kind of pulling off that approach, kind of like what the Astros did with Billy Beanball and the Red Sox and Cubs and so on. Uh, very different approach there in Tampa Bay. They always think outside the box. They don't have a ton of money. Nobody goes to their games. Uh, and they still find a way to stay competitive most of the time. Very interesting team. You know, it's one of those teams kind of like the A's. Probably not going to win a World Series anytime soon. But they're a blast to watch on how they handle their players. How they handle their entire organization. Just an absolute blast to watch. So they're another team that has a bunch of young talent. Actually, the Devil Rays are one of those sleeper teams that they could sneak up on a lot of people this year. They're in a really tough division. They got to deal with the Yankees and Red Sox. But Toronto's in a youth movement. Baltimore has just, they're down to the studs right now. They are just, you know, starting from scratch. Uh, so I think Tampa Bay is one of those sleeper teams in the AL. Uh, we're going to move on to some fantasy talk. I know in the first podcast, I went over the, my first six rounds, the sleepers in each round. And I wanted to uh, give you another sleeper list through round 12. We got through the first six rounds. Uh, I gave you my sleepers through the first six. So we're going to start in the seventh round and go through the twelfth round. This is a 
team fantasy draft. Now, if you happen to be a listener that's not into fantasy baseball and does not plan on getting into it, we still, in these situations with fantasy baseball, it's a lot of player talk. So if it's a player that you're interested in or you just love the game, we're still talking about the player either way. And there'll be, I'm not one of those guys that's going to get into, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, the way they lift the ball at what angle and how many times they hit ground balls. What's the percentage? We're not going to get lost in all of the percentages and baseball jargon. I'm going to try to keep that to my website that we're working on, uh, my email system that I set up. And eventually when we go live feed, we'll do some call-ins. If people have questions, um, I'll relay those questions uh, and answer those at that time. Uh, But for the time being, we're going to basically keep those to the emails. I want to keep this just purely the love of the game baseball talk. Uh, But we're going to base, like I'm going to in the next few minutes, uh, we're going to talk about players in each round that I think are going to be steals in that round that maybe are going a little lower than people expect. But I think they could get bumped up a round or two just because I think they're being undervalued a little bit. Okay, so in round seven. There's one guy that's been really, really under the radar, and I think he's been getting a little play, at least at the beginning of this offseason, right around December in the winter talks, a lot of push, uh, especially here in Houston, being an Astros fan, uh, a lot of talk. Uh, but he's going in the uh, right, right now in the early drafts. I've done uh, a few baseball drafts already, some mock drafts as well. Uh, and he's been in the lower single-digit rounds, and I think he's a sixth-round, seventh-round talent to me. And he's at a position that can get a little weak at times. He's at the catcher position. JT Real Muto. And I, I know I'm not breaking any new ground here. I know a lot of you know anybody that's interested in the game has been hearing a lot about this kid lately. But he really has put up some really good numbers. He's a great defensive catcher. There's not much that he does wrong. And I truly am one of those people that believes a good catcher. It's like a good offensive line in the NFL. A great catcher that knows how to run pitchers that can also be an offensive threat is hard to come by. And I think whatever team he lands with, and I don't think he's going to stay with the Marlins. He's going to land somewhere. He's going to make a huge difference. And I also think he's going to be under the radar. I think he's one of those guys that's going to get pitched to. Catchers very rarely get pitched around. I think the last catcher I saw get pitched around was probably Yvonne Rodriguez. Give or take. Yeah, I'd probably say that's. Yeah, it rarely, rarely happens. Um, and he's one of those that has the talent that if you're going to come after him, he's going to put the ball in play. He's going to make things happen. And he's great on the other end as well. A good dugout guy. He's a great kid. Uh, JT Real Muto, to me, in the seventh round, is a sleeper. Uh, Right now averaging about the ninth round from what I'm seeing. Very, very, very good player. Another, I'm going to go ahead with another seventh round talent here. He could be an eighth rounder if you're lucky, but I wouldn't hold my breath on him. I think he's going to get more playing time than people think. And I'm trying not to be a homer here. I really am just talking baseball. Michael Brantley, who just signed with the Astros this offseason, I think he's going to fit perfectly in that two-hole here in Houston. And I think he's going to get some – I mean, this guy does not strike out. Just every at-bat is a good at-bat for this guy. doesn't make very many mistakes. He's got a little pop. He's going to do well in that – 
in the Minute Maid. He's going to have some pretty decent days there, some short porches there. Uh, he's very efficient on defense. He's just a guy. I know health is always a factor, but that's a factor with any player in the major leagues. I really, as far as fantasy goes, I don't play health into it unless they're hurt at the moment. You just can't predict injuries. But barring that, Brantley, look at his career stats. They're amazing. I mean, the guy is going to fit right in, make up for that loss of Marwin, because that's the main thing that they were trying to do is absorb the blow of losing Marwin Gonzalez. And I know some people have really said, you know, how much difference is the money between Brantley and Marwin? Well, I'll tell you right now, it's it's really starting to inflate for Marwin. The talk I'm hearing around the the different uh, talking heads in the baseball community, teams in general from what I've read online, Marwin is getting talked up quite a bit as one of these glue guys that's going to make a huge difference for who he signs. I know St. Louis is making a strong push. Of course, the Phillies and the White Sox. I mean, the usual suspects. Uh, But whoever takes Marwin is going to be uh, in, in really good shape. And I feel like Michael Brantley is in that same conversation. He should be a seventh round guy. I can't, I would take him definitely before you get into the seventies. He should be in the sixties to me, as far as, uh, you know, number of picks, he should be in the sixties. In my opinion, in my opinion, um, I would gladly take him in the seventh round. So, um, of course, you know, it depends on how you approach, if you happen to get to the seventh round and you're looking for a position player, not a pitcher, Michael Brantley to me is a, a very, very sneaky good pick there in the seventh round. We're going to move on to the eighth round. Um, this guy here, he's, go, he's going to a team that I think uh, keeps players under the radar. Not very many people watch their games. He's coming from a team that isn't high on other. So he, in other words, what I'm getting at, he's very under the radar and he truly is a sleeper in the eighth round. I think a lot of people are just going to forget about this guy. He's just got one of those, at least at this point, one of those names that just go under the radar, but Jurek's and Profar, he didn't get the playing time that he should in Texas, but the playing time that he did get for the Rangers, very productive, extremely talented. He can play anywhere. He's listed as a shortstop. The guy can play third, second, first. I've seen him play first for the Rangers. Even the outfield. Played left field for him a little bit. So he's of the Marwin ilk. Jerks and Profar in fantasy baseball is guaranteed. As far, you know, like I said, I, I don't like to talk too much injury, barring anything crazy happening. He gets in at least 140 games. Profar is going to be a player. In fantasy baseball, he can do it all. He's a guy that can get spotted in in the lineup, give other guys rest throughout the year. That's why I think Marwin is going to be a, a sleeper as well. He's in that same category, a guy that can play multiple positions that you can insert into the lineup every day and will do it well. He will play good defense. He will hit the ball. You name it. It's one of you know not quite a five tool player, but a guy you know Marwin. I wouldn't put him as a five tool, but he is a just a solid solid guy. And Jerickson Profar, to me, would be a steal in the eighth round. If you can get him in that 90s, late 80s uh, range, right around mid-eighth round, you will be in great, great shape. Another sleeper in the eighth uh, that 
nobody talks about. I think he's been a little bit under the radar. Uh, he's in Colorado, and a lot of Colorado guys get stigmatized, and people don't give him the credit they should, all that good stuff. David Dahl. He's a good outfielder, strong arm. Guy can hit, hit the ball. I mean, just he's very, very talented. He's got good pop. David Dahl, to me, if you can get him anywhere in that eighth round, even early ninth round, you're in great shape. I know the name doesn't excite people, but once you get to those the seventh, eighth, ninth round, you're looking for glue guys, guys that may not jump off the page at you, but they will produce. And that's what these mid rounds to me, you know, eighth round through twelfth round, and you know, usually you get about what twenty three rounds somewhere around there. Uh, so you know that A through twelfth to me is very important because you, it's it's that bridge from the top tier players where you're these are the guys you're going to ride throughout the season. That A through twelfth round, A through thirteenth, right in that range. These are your glue guys. This is where you might get your closer. This is where you might get that guy on the bench that you can spot in, like a David Dahl, uh, like a Jerickson Profar. Uh, these guys uh, can really, really make a difference in those areas of a draft. So David Dahl falls in that category for me. He's not a guy. He's a guy that I like to look for players that I feel nobody else is paying attention to. And fantasy baseball is a strange thing because usually the people that play it are pretty hardcore. So it's kind of hard to slip players by people. You know, they don't fall asleep on too much, but it does happen. There's a lot of movement and a lot of players in fantasy baseball. It's not like fantasy football. It's like I always say in fantasy football, there's three or four players per team that really count. Well, that's not how it is in fantasy baseball. Fantasy baseball, there is a good, strong 10, 11 players per team that could go anywhere and, and be very important parts. And a lot of these teams, even more than that, you know, the top tier teams, there's 15, 16 players, if you include the pitching staffs, that are strong and that could help anybody in certain situations add depth. Depends on your scoring system, depends on if you got a two catcher league and all that stuff. I don't want to get lost in that yet. As we get closer to the season, as we start doing all the reviews of each team, I'll start breaking down these drafts a little bit more in depth. Right now, we're at the very beginning. I'm trying to go through sleeper mode. going to give you some guys to put on your radar. Right, we're going to move on to the ninth round range. Okay, nothing is, uh, you know, set in stone right now. And a lot of these guys could move up. But as of right now, I'm going off of where they're based on the mock drafts and the early season drafts online. This guy's a rookie, and I love rookies. And any my anybody that knows me, and I've been in fantasy football and baseball forever, um, I love rookies. I just have a, a, a thing for them. I, I tend to take them and... Any of my, my dynasty baseball and dynasty football, I load up with rookies all the time. I just love them. There is a rookie that's coming up in Washington that had a pretty good year last year that is a little under the radar. He's starting to get some pub now from what I'm hearing. Victor Robles. He is the next thing there. He's going to help out Soto there in Washington. Uh, very, very strong, strong player. Um He's up. He's right under the Vlad Guerrero Jr. range to me, um, and Okuna and all those guys. Uh, 
he got he's got pop. He's the five tool guy. He's got a good arm. He's got decent speed. He's got pop, uh, range, uh, good eye. Doesn't strike out. I mean, you name it. I, I could go throughout the list. I think he's going to be in play for rookie of the year this year. Victor Robles. If you can snag this rookie in the ninth round, right around the hundredth pick, I would say you have done yourself a favor. I think he's going to get playing time. The Nationals are that sleeper in the East. I, I've talked up the Braves so much these first few podcasts. I'm really trying not to talk about them too much because I love the Braves this year. But the Nationals, to me, are that they're, they're just they've got the perfect mix right now. They've got youth mixed with some veterans. They're not going anywhere. They're, they still are in control of that East. The Mets have made some good moves this offseason. Like I've toted the last few podcasts, the Braves have made some really good moves and are making a strong play there in the East. But the Nationals, to me, are uh, the cornerstone there in the East. They are going to win some ball games, and I think Victor Robles is going to be a huge part of the Washington Nationals uh, winning some ball games. This next guy in a right around the hundredth pick seems to be his. Well, he's actually averaging in the tenth round, believe it or not. I can't believe I'm seeing him that low. He's going to gradually move up. So I'm going to go ahead and talk about him in the ninth, but I think he might move up to the eighth or seventh round. And I think a lot of it's age and he's moved around a little bit. But Robinson Cano, I think he's going to fit right in there in New York. I, I really do. I think he's going to be a, a steady. Steady ball player there for the Mets. And um, he is somewhat. I know it's really hard to say Robinson Cano is a sleeper. I just keep seeing him in the 10th round. I just feel like that is too low uh, or too high, however you want to look at it. He should be around the 7th round to me. I can't believe that he's going to stay in the 10th round area. It's just impossible for me to see that. So if you see Robinson Cano and you're getting to the eighth, and I know drafts maybe are a few weeks away for most people, this may change. But at this point, I'm seeing him pretty low. It's Robinson Cano. This guy's a Hall of Famer, possibly. I mean, there's a lot of people that say guaranteed. I don't know if it's a guarantee he's a Hall of Famer, but he's right there. He's got great numbers. He's not really declining horribly. I think the guy is still a very scrappy good player and he's going to put up decent numbers in new york he fits new york he loved it as a yankee i think he's going to come back home to new york even though it's in the mets uh but even though he's on the mets i think he's going to come home and he's going to fit right in and i think cano is going to have a very very uh productive year i really really do there's one sleeper that I want to talk about that may be not in the... I want to go move on to the 9th, uh, 10th round area. But there's a guy that I keep seeing around the 8th round um, on average right now that should be around the 6th round to me. And I, it's really popping out at me. The last few mocks I've done, I did uh, one of my baseball drafts. It's actually our dynasty draft um, last week, and he was a little lower than I thought. Uh, and I couldn't believe he was available but we jump, I jumped on it. Uh, Matt Chapman, the third baseman for the A's. And he's one of those guys that I know he's a rising star and he's not to superstar level yet. Uh, but he's one of those third basemen that, I mean, unbelievable in the field. Could be the best fielding third baseman in the game. Him and Arenado are battling that out. I don't know who's better. Uh, but Matt Chapman's not very far off. Try to watch an A's game early in the season if you can. Spring train, whatever. Watch this kid at third. I mean, he kills it smooth as can be, great arms, super accurate, fast. Uh, 
you name it. And he's on the rise with the bat for fantasy purposes. <clears throat> so Matt Chapman, to me, absolutely a sleeper in the eighth, ninth round. I wouldn't wait on him that far. If you get to the sixth round, if you get to the sixth round, you see Matt Chapman there, third baseman for the A's. Say it's your first, I, I don't, even if it's not your first draft, just drafting period, just advice. If you see Matt Chapman there, take him in that sixth round. The kid is ready to blow up there in Oakland. I really do. I think he's going to be a cornerstone there. I think he's going to lead them to more wins than people think. And I think he's going to be the heart of that team. They've got a decent, scrappy little team there in Oakland. They've got wild card written all over them to me. I mean, they're that scrappy this year. They've put together a decent little staff. Just the classic Billy Bean ace. I mean, just good, steady players that are statistically fitting in their spots and in their roles on the team. And he is his role is going to be, you know, that third spot in the lineup, little pop in the bat, great glove at third. So he's that cornerstone corner guy that is going to be great for Oakland. So Matt Chapman in the sixth round is not, not a bad pickup at all. All right, the 10th round, 11th round area that I keep seeing that guys are a little bit low. This is that strange part of the draft where you really got to figure out what approach you're taking. So here it depends on your approach. But these are guys that I think, like I said, um, should be even a little bit higher, if not, uh, you know, somewhat of a sleeper, I guess. If I feel like they're in the 10th round, then they should be taken in the 8th again. It depends on your approach. Uh, but for me, this is where I look in the ninth, 10th round where I start browsing for my saves guy. And saves is a big part of the scoring system in fantasy baseball. You want to have a good lockdown save guy most nights. And I truly believe that this guy is ready to have a ton of saves, even though A.J. Hinch for the Astros has approached his bullpen in a strange way the last few years. He's one of those guys that it could be anybody any night. But I think he, the Astros, not Hinch only, but the Astros in general, they ran into a guy that's just a lockdown, steady, ninth inning, close situation guy. And Roberto Suna is that guy. He is going to get a ton of saves there in Houston. They're going to keep the games close. I know they're going to have their blowouts. They tend to, you know, the last few years trend that way where either they blow out a team or get blown out quite a bit. Uh, but I think this year, the way they're setting up, there's going to be some closer games. And I think Osuna and the back end of that bullpen are going to be huge. And I think Osuna is going to get quite a few saves. And right now he's averaging around the 11th round, which is kind of, you know, it's in the save guy back in bullpen territory. A lot of some people go a little higher or lower, depending on your approach. Um, but definitely by the 10th, 11th round, I want to get my save guy in. And I think Roberto Asuna for the Astros is going to be a high level save guy. So, um, if you were like me and between that ninth and 11th, you want to knock out your save guy. Uh, Osuna is a definite, definite guy that I think is going to get at least 40 to 45 saves, maybe more depending on. Health, of course, like I said, I don't want to ride too much on health, but it is one of those things that can hurt you with these save guys. You know, you get a guy in there and you really, he's your lockdown save guy and then it blows his arm out, gets hurt immediately. You're scrambling on the free agency market, trying to scrap together saves with multiple guys. It can be a mess, especially if you take him high. So he's one of those guys that I would gladly 
gladly take a little risk on as far as saves go. And since we're on that subject, averaging in the 12th, 13th round right now, that I think is an 11th round talent as far as save guys go, that is another guy connected to the Astros. I hate that I keep doing this. I'm sorry. That's the way this is working out, but uh, I'm just going with my gut. This is what I've seen in the trends, and these are the guys that really popped out to me. I think he's ready to finally reach his potential this year in Toronto. I think Ken Giles. Ken Giles is an 11th round, 10th, 11th round talent to me. And right now he's averaging about the 13th round, 14th round I've seen in a lot. And I think that's just fear. I think just his track record, he had a, a strange relationship with the Astros organization. Ton of talent. Couldn't find the strike zone in crunch time. A lot Gave up a lot of big hits. But I'll tell you what, he really showed uh, a lot of improvement in Toronto last year. He made some big uh, step-up saves for them in big situations late in the season. I think Ken Giles is ready this year to be finally what the Astros saw many years ago and be that lockdown guy. I really do. He's got the talent, that movement that he has on his fastball and just the pure velocity. You can't buy that stuff. All right, we'll move on to the 12th round, the final round that I'll go over and we'll break away from the fantasy aspect and move on. And this is a guy that I think uh, he's gotten some offseason talk. Uh, but I keep seeing him in the 13th, 14th round and he's higher than that. And I know it's because he's a head case off the field, but this guy is better than where he's going right now in drafts. And I do think this is going to uptick as far as when the drafts start heating up around spring training time. And a lot of people are doing their fantasy drafts. I do think he's going to gradually, uh, work his way up to a decent spot. But to me, he's an 11th round guy of where he's going. Yasiel Puig. I know he's a head case there in L.A., ton of talent. Didn't get it as much playing time as he should in L.A. because they've got that loaded team every year. But he's going to Cincinnati where he's going to play every day. He's got a ballpark. The ball flies out at a better rate than even in Colorado. The number one home run ballpark in the major leagues last year was in Cincinnati. And on a per-at-bat basis. Yasiel Puig, along with Kemp on the other corner in the outfield. Those two guys are really going to get an uptick to me in that offense. They're going to get playing time. They're going to get pitches to hit. Because they still have got some hitters. There. I think since he's one of those sleeper teams in the NL to me. That are in that category, at least going into the season. Now, 100% they're going to get anywhere in the postseason, but they are going to be very scrappy. They happen to be in the toughest division of baseball. I think that's what's going to hurt them more than anything. But they're not going to be an easy out for those top teams in the NL Central. And I think a big part of that's going to be Yasiel Puig. With his bat, bat speed, talent, strength, speed, I think Puig is a very much a sleeper. Especially if I keep seeing him going in the 13th, 14th round. Puig, to me, at the very least, is a 10th rounder. Maybe 11th rounder at the lowest or highest. I mean, when you look at it, you know, he should be a 10th rounder. And to see him going in the 14th round, I mean, I don't know what if people are still basing that off what he was doing with the Dodgers or they think he's going to go and deal with the t- a losing situation in Cincinnati and freak out. I don't know if that's playing in. I mean, we're pretty early. I don't know if people are playing into that too much. But if you are, if you happen to be one of those guys that thinks Puig is going to go there and be a head case, I really doubt it. 
The hitting coach from the Dodgers went to Cincinnati with him. He's really close with that hitting coach, so he's going to feel comfortable. He's in a launching pad of a ballpark that he's going to play in 81 games out of the year. I think Puig is set up to have, I'm not kidding, a 40 home run year. I really believe that. And I've gotten some crazy looks. People think I'm just nuts. I really think Puig has a 35 to 40 home run year in Cincinnati this year. Very much a sleeper. If you see him in the 10th round and you're looking for a position player, you've knocked out your uh, closer, got a decent staff going, um, you got your top end uh, position players already set up. You know, you're in your 10th round. You should have a pretty decent team rolled out at that point. And you see Puig there in the 10th round, I'm telling you now to take him. Take him immediately. The guy is going to shred it in Cincinnati. I guarantee you that. Not a doubt in my mind. Not a doubt in my mind. All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap up the uh, fantasy mock draft sleeper portion of the podcast. We will continue this round by round uh, pretty soon. We still have a month to go to catchers and pitchers reporting. I'm trying to time this out as far as covering teams. We are going to break down each team in Major League Baseball throughout this offseason leading up to opening day. Uh, I just haven't started it yet because there's so much movement that still needs to be done with free agency. We don't have a lockdown on uh, where teams are going to be depth-wise going into the season quite yet. As we approach spring training, we will start going over each team in depth and break each team down fantasy-wise and just in general as the season gets going. Uh, it's just too early to start that right now. I just want to talk about players that are uh, on the radar, movement, and basic baseball talk. And uh, as far as top baseball movies, we are still holding tight with Bull Durham at number one. The Sandlot, still surprising to me, at number two. And The Natural at number three. Uh, Natural's taken a pretty big hit. Uh, Major League is climbing a little bit. Um, but it is still Bull Durham at number one, where I think Bull Durham probably should be. I, I really do. It's a great baseball movie. If, there's a few of you out there that probably haven't seen it. If you haven't, or you have a kid that has not seen it, you have a teenager, whatever, in baseball, that is a must-see. It is how baseball players really think. Yeah, there's some drama to it. There's some movie, you know, aspects to it. Maybe some adult situations, but uh, a very good baseball movie. Very good baseball movie. There is one that has been climbing. That's about number six on the list from what I tallied the other day. That I haven't mentioned on the podcast. That I wanted to mention on the last podcast, but I didn't get to it. Eight Men Out. I know it's a little dated. The movie, you know, it's been about thirty years, but. Um, very, very, very good movie. It shows the uh, Black Sox scandal in 1918. Uh, it's got a ton of people in it, ton of good actors. Uh, definitely, if you have not seen Eight Men Out or read the book, check it out. Very good uh, baseball movie and book. The book's even better. So, and the movie's not bad at all. I mean, uh, very, very underrated. Very underrated. Just shows you how it all went down and the state of the game at that time. Very interesting. Until the next podcast, guys. I'm out.